0: The passage of scripture I want to use as an introduction tonight will be taken from John, the 19th chapter, verses 17 and 18. And I want you to consider with me that very brief statement that John gives, that they took him and they crucified him. I always find it very interesting how that the gospel writers, in a very short compass, speak about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why I say that that's somewhat interesting is because if you know anything about crucifixion in the ancient world, you know that it was probably the most horrible way that a person can die. It was not merely a form of execution. It was deliberately execution by way of torture. I think in our days, sadly, that we've somewhat sanitized the cross. We're more likely to consider the cross from the perspective of a gold-plated cross rather than a blood-stained cross. We think in very isolated terms by way of the cross as a, as a religious symbol And we lose the horrors that were connected with crucifixion there in the first century. And the horrors of crucifixion, again, were were very well known. It was spoken of in the most awful terms, this idea, this reality of being crucified. And when we think of the fact of Jesus' crucifixion, one of the things that we have to be aware of is horrible and as frightening as physical crucifixion was. The death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross contained much more by way of pain and by way of suffering for our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the suffering of the cross culminates not in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. The suffering of the cross in a very real way culminates in that cry from the cross where he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What, would it have, what must it have been like for our Lord Jesus Christ, not just to utter those words, but to feel that sense of abandonment by His Father? Again, when we think of this, it's, it's hard to fully wrap our minds around this, to fully grasp what this all means. And what I want to do tonight on this Good Friday service, I want to take a look at not only the cross itself, but maybe even a, a secondary question. With the cross and everything that it was by way of its horror, with the cross and everything that our Lord Jesus Christ would know that it would cost him by way of the relationship with his father, suffering that separation, I want to consider the question, what motivated Jesus to go to the cross? What were the motivations that led Christ to the cross? And I ask this question because our Lord Jesus Christ did not stumble to Calvary. He did not inadvertently end up there. He did not, as some theologians say, think that everything was going well on that day of the triumphal entry, and then things just got out, out of control. And before he knew it, he was betrayed by the he was betrayed by the Jews to the Romans to be crucified. That's not what happened. Our Lord Jesus Christ went before. Our Lord Jesus Christ went to Calvary, fully aware of everything that was about to happen to him. And so, what I want to do is I want to consider with you tonight what could have the what could the motivations of our Lord Jesus Christ have been, to go willingly to the cross. And let me suggest this to you, that the scripture doesn't leave us in question concerning these motivations. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you that there are a number of motivations that the scripture give us, two primarily. And let me just give you those very quickly. The two primary motivations of our Lord Jesus Christ going to Calvary was number one, the love that he had for you and for his father. And number two, as the scripture clearly says, the joy that was set before him. How do these things, the love of the Father, his love for you and his love for the Father, the concept of joy filling his heart to go to the... How do these things come about? Well, I want to consider that here with you tonight. The other thing I would suggest to you here tonight, and I'm going to take a look at just this somewhat briefly. The other thing I would suggest to you here tonight is this is it not only were there these, what I would call these personal motivations that led our Lord Jesus Christ to the cross, personal motivations of his love for his Father, personal motivations of his love for his people, but there were also theological motivations as well. And let me say this, it might sound somewhat, uh, somewhat missing the, uh, the, the, the kind of uh, the, the, the emotion, the feeling and the pathos that we, that we rightly connect with the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross, this is a moment, again, where our hearts should be weighed down. To think of what it is, our Lord Jesus Christ there on the cross, the suffering and the shame that he experienced. And too often times we, we pass by this too quickly. I know sometimes that there can be an excessive amount of attention paid to this, a, 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 a gory, well, crucifixion was gory. There's no two ways about it. It was, a, it was a horrible thing to see. It was a shameful thing to see. That whole aspect of crucifixion was meant purposely to shame. In a sense, it was meant to terrorize. That's why crucifixion was always in public. Crucifixion was not a private matter. The Romans wanted you to see what would happen to you should you do what this individual had done. But our Lord Jesus Christ so much more that is being done there in that crucifixion. He is providing atonement and salvation. We'll get all to that. We'll get to that. But that's why I say there are not only personal motivations, there are theological motivations that, are, that led our Lord Jesus Christ to the cross. And so let me set a few of these before you. Number one, I want you to know and understand that our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross willingly. As I said before, he didn't stumble. He didn't end up on Calvary's hill. He wasn't there saying, boy, how did I get into this situation? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And as a matter of fact, it's almost, it's almost, it's almost, it's almost offensive to, to place upon your ears even such a suggestion that Jesus would think that he's just, what am I doing? Here? No way. No. A thousand times no. Our Lord Jesus Christ knew and understood. He knew that no man was able to take his life from him. We see this explicitly in John chapter 10, verse 18. No man taketh my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to take it up, and I have power power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. Our Lord Jesus Christ, as I said before, went willingly to the cross. He knew, He was purposed in His mind to do His Father's will. We also see this in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. We quote this passage of Scripture so often from Psalm 45. Lo, in the volume of the book it is written of me to do Thy will, O God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, again, went to the cross willingly, knowingly, and deliberately. There are, as I said before, there are are numerous passages and events that prove this out. I think of that passage of scripture when our Lord Jesus Christ, again, the scripture says, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew that there was a work to be done there and he would not be shaken from that work. There was a specific task that the Father had called him to. There was a specific reason that he came into the world. And part of that specific reason was you and I. You are part of the reason why Jesus, again, 2,000 years ago, was on the cross. And so again, our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't just just stumble upon these things. Think of how many times he he spoke uh, before his crucifixion. I think at least three times in in, in the Gospels uh, where Jesus says specifically, we go to Jerusalem and there the Son of Man shall suffer many things and be betrayed. And so our Lord Jesus Christ knew exactly what he was doing. Willingly, deliberately, he went to the cross. And again, he knew what it would cost him. We see this especially, do we not, in the, in the, in the Garden of, uh, of Gethsemane. Our Lord Jesus Christ, again, there praying to the Father. Father, again, if it's possible that this cup pass from me, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He knew. He knew the cost that was before him on the cross. And this is, as I said before, this is what makes me ask this question. What could have motivated Jesus to go to the cross with all these realities, the cost involved, the, the pain, not only physically or, or, or mentally or psychologically, but the spiritual pain of being separated from his father, what could motivate him? Well, as I said before, he was motivated by a number of reasons. And I had mentioned to you the theological reasons. Let me give you some of them here specifically. I think he went to the cross specifically to do his father's will. He knew this from the time of his youth, did he not? There he was in the temple, and his mother and father lost track of him. And again, what does our Lord Jesus Christ say when, when they find him? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? There was a work that Jesus Christ was sent into the world to do. And what motivated him to go to the cross was to do the will of the Father. We see this over and over again in Scripture this idea that he was sent to do the Father's will. He was also motivated, we would say this, because he knew that Scripture must needs, be, must needs to be fulfilled. Jesus Christ went to the cross in order to fulfill scripture. We saw that again in the the reading of John uh, chapter 19. It's very interesting. I think in John chapter 13 through 17, I think at least five times we have a reference to the scriptures being fulfilled. And I want you to see and understand that part of the motivation of Jesus going to the cross is that the word of God would be fulfilled. Do you understand? Do you understand the extent to which Jesus Christ went in order the scripture to be fulfilled? And do you think somehow scripture will not be fulfilled in your life or in my life? That the purposes of God will not come to pass? Our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross in order that the scripture be fulfilled. And so never think that the word of God will not be fulfilled. It will most certainly be fulfilled a passage of scripture here, where our Lord Jesus Christ is dealing with this whole question of the fulfillment of Scripture. Uh, there again in Matthew chapter 26, uh, as as He's about to be arrested, listen to the exchange that goes on here. Jesus is about to be arrested. Peter takes out his sword, and again it's you know acts the way we kind of expect Peter to act. And we read this in Matthew 26, verses 51 through 54. And behold, one of them, which were were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote or cut off his ear. And then Jesus said unto him, Put up thy sword into its place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou now that I cannot pray that my father and he shall presently give me more than 12,000 legions of angels? But how then must the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? You see, the fulfillment of Scripture was a theological motivation for our Lord Jesus Christ in going to the cross. If I can, we can go on and on. We can say that there was a theological motivation that the Lord Jesus Christ might enter into his death and ascend into heaven in order to prepare a place for his people. We can say that the Lord Jesus Christ, in order to make sure that his church would have the abiding ministry of the Spirit of God, went to the cross because without his death and ascension, there would be no sending of the Spirit. So there were these theological motivations that led our Lord Jesus Christ to the cross. But there are personal motivations as well. And these personal motivations, as I said before, if we had to reduce them, we can say that they would be reduced to two primary points, that of joy and that of love. And it's kind of unusual to speak about joy when we think about the pain of the cross, to think about the suffering involved. But the scripture is very, very clear. It is actually explicit as to what the scripture says concerning this joy. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, you know the passage. The writer of Hebrews says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Do you understand how joy is put in the context of the cross? What What was one of the motivations that led Jesus to the cross at a personal level? It was his joy in seeing your salvation. And so when Jesus hangs there on the cross, and when you contemplate the cross, and when you think tonight and into tomorrow what it means for Jesus to die, understand that there was a deep joy within his soul when he went to the cross. For the joy set before him. In John 15, it's interesting that that, that night uh, before he is... Uh, Crucified, There he is with his disciples. You can read John 13 through 17 and you can see a number of, of reasons. I would say this, some of them are explicit, some are implied uh, concerning the motivations of our Lord Jesus Christ to go to the cross. But there he mentions his joy again. He says this in John 15, verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. All these things that he speaks about concerning what is about to happen to him. The things that he speaks about them concerning the coming of the spirit of God. These things are done that, your, that his joy might remain with you. And so joy was there definitely as a motivating factor in the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. But there was love as well. And I think this is the easiest thing for us to consider, is it not? The great fact that Jesus Christ loved you and you loved me. But do you know something else about this motivating factor of love? That the love that he had for you and me was there, yes. And in one sense, if I just wanted to, and I want to be careful how I say this. In one sense, if I just wanted to pull on your emotions, I could talk about the great love that Jesus Christ has for you. And I would be right in doing that. Not on playing on your emotions, but emphasizing the love that Jesus has for you. I would be right in that. But do you also understand that Jesus was motivated to go to the cross because he loved his Father? John 14, verse 31. Come, let us go hence, that the world might know that I love the Father. Oh, this great motivating factor of love. Theological reasons, yes. Theological motivations. The motivations of of joy, both to you and to him. But this great motivation of love. And so we see at the cross, we see on the cross not something by way of shame, not something by way of, uh, by, by way of uh, just abject horror, we see something of love, and isn't that just like God, to take that which humanity intends to be, to be nothing more than destruction and death, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and, and again just shame, and turn it into this reality of love, oh the love of God, the power of God to do that, and I want you to hear that, Why? Because you know and I know what our sins are. And we think who can ever turn, who can ever turn this individual into something or someone that's pleasing in the sight of God? God Himself can, by way of the power of the Spirit of God living in you. And so this great work that we see here on the cross. And so our, our Lord Jesus Christ again goes to the cross because he's motivated by love. Again, John 14, 31. John 15, verse 13, we know this passage, and it's so, this passage of Scripture is filtered down into our culture to such a way that we lose sight of its original setting. Jesus says in John 15, no man hath greater love than to give his life for his friends. And we, we use that, it, that's so filtered down into our culture that we forget that that's what our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking of his people, of his friends. You are the friends of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ has laid his life out for you. You see, that was the motivating factor that caused him to go to the cross. You know, I was reading uh, in in preparation for this, and there's some, anyway, I was reading in preparation for this, and, and some of the things that are said about crucifixion, it was said that sometimes even the ancient writers didn't want to write about it because it was so literally obscene. One of the great advantages of being a Roman citizen is that you couldn't be crucified. It was reserved for the worst of the worst. And there was our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Isn't it an amazing thing to see Jesus Christ examined by sinful men? Wasn't it an amazing thing to see this man, Pilate, and these, and, and, and these chief priests, and again, I'm not saying it because it's an easy thing to say, who were as corrupt as the day is long. But there they were, performing their function. They were examining the lamb that was about to be offered. No fault in him. No spot. No blemish. Truly the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he goes willingly. He didn't have to corral this sheep. He didn't have, to, didn't have to capture. He went willingly. Why? Because there were great motivations Theological, yes, but so much more personal we see. And so here we see this, this desire, these motivations. But we can even extend on these. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I just want you to see there are multiple motivations, primarily love and joy. Primarily love, we would say, because the whole concept of joy can be kind of umbrellaed under the concept of love. But let me say this. I, I'm convinced that Jesus was motivated to go to the cross because the Father loves sinners. Isn't that, in a sense, what John three sixteen says? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Aren't you glad that the reality of Calvary points that out to you, makes that very graphically present in your thinking? Jesus Christ, again, desired to do what the Father desired. The Father loves, you see. The Father sends his son, and Jesus Christ will be motivated to go to the cross, and nothing can keep him off of it. There's another sense in which our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross motivated by the desire for his Father to be glorified. We see this in a number of places, actually. John 13, 31. Uh, Then, uh, therefore, when Judas was gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. Verse 32, and if God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself uh, and, and, and shall straightway glorify him. John 17, verse 1, these words spake Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. Jesus was motivated to go to the cross that his Father might be glorified. How was his Father glorified? In your salvation, in my salvation, in providing again this spotless Lamb of God? And so we see this motivation for the Father's glory. We already spoke about the, the, the motivation of his love for his Father. There's also the, the motivation that the, our Lord Jesus Christ desired to declare what the Father's love looked like. In John 17, 26, I have declared unto them thy name and will declare that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. But the Lord Jesus Christ was motivated to go to the cross that you and I, that the world might know the Father's name, to know the Father's purposes. But there are also motivations for his people as well. And those motivations, again, are seen in John, those, those chapters between John 13 and, 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 uh, and John 17. We see this, that our Lord was motivated because of love, as I've already mentioned. But let me give you another passage here. John 13, verse 1. Now before the Feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, this is a beautiful passage, that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. The love of Christ for you motivated him to go to the cross. And so all of these things we see by way of these great motivating factors that led Jesus Christ to the cross. And if I had to sum it up, I guess I would say this that the great motivating factor of our Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross was primarily his love for the Father, but also his love for the Father in the fact that the Father's love is fully realized when you and I come into a saving relationship with this glorious God through his Son, Jesus Christ. And so again, what led Jesus to the cross? It was that great love that he had to the Father. It was that great love that he had for you. So in one sense, we can say this. What motivated Jesus to, the, to go to the cross? It was, it, was, it, was, it was your love for him. But that wouldn't be sufficient. I'm sorry, it was his love, forgive me. It was, it was his love for you. But that wouldn't be sufficient because we must bring this all together under the reality of Jesus' love for the Father. Listen, as we close out this sermon and as we consider the motivations that led Jesus to the cross, do not forget either one of these realities his love for the Father brought him to the cross and his love for you brought him to the cross. Tonight and tomorrow, as you prepare for the celebration of our Lord's resurrection, I hope each of us are here, as we prepare for the celebration of our Lord's resurrection, let us think about the things that motivated our Lord Jesus Christ to go to the cross and let those be motivating factors in our lives to worship him with body, with soul, with all that we have, and so, my friends, on this night in which we observe the, the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, let's not lose sight of the fact there were great factors that moved our Lord to the cross. And you were part of those factors. I was part of that factor. But ultimately, his love for the Father and his love for sinners moved to, him to endure the cross. Our Heavenly Father, we ask and we pray now that you would give us grace to, to think as we should on this great fact of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ give us grace we pray Lord God to rejoice in the fact that it's not only his death that we look to it's also his glorious resurrection that we expect again to celebrate in just a few short days give us grace father we pray to come on that day with hearts prepared to sing the praises of our glorious and resurrected Christ and help us we pray Lord God to live in the power of his resurrection and we ask we pray these things in Jesus name amen And we'll take our hymnals now and we'll turn to hymn number 158 when I survey the wondrous cross.